Welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I am your host, Sarah, a little bit out of breath <laughs> from running up and down the stairs. I've got Darcy with me today. Say hi, Darcy. Hey, what's up? Darcy is my strange and delightful co-host. We like to talk about all that weird and crazy shit. If it's weird, wild, bizarre, and provocative, we're going to talk about it on this podcast. And that is particularly why we've chosen the case that we chose to talk about today. We are only doing one case today because there's a lot to dive into on this one. Darcy, I think I would categorize this as being sort of a paranormal, sort of um, extraterrestrial type issue. What do you think? How would you characterize it? Yeah, like a extraterrestrial, paranormal, spiritual type thing, which is probably why it's already giving me the heebie-jeebies before we even get into it. Yeah, it's a little on the creepy side. Today we're going to talk about the Heaven's Gate cult. Not a lot of podcasts get into cults. What do you think, Darcy? I mean, I don't think I've heard very many at all. Yeah, it's it's undercovered. I know there is like one that just does cover cults, but like most when most people talk about cults, they do like Jonestown or I mean, some people even do Scientology or whatever, but but this is really interesting. I think for me it's really interesting cuz I remember watching the news about this one. Like I remember the news coverage. Well, for me, like I literally live minutes from where this shit went down in Rancho Santa Fe, California. So that's what makes it even more interesting. I've actually been to the site Um, at present moment. The house that was there that this whole thing occurred in is no longer there. It has been torn down and rebuilt. There's another house that's rebuilt on that exact same site, but because of the amount of publicity and mass media coverage that continued even after this event was long gone, they changed the address, they changed the street name, and they really just made a lot of dramatic changes in order to sort of distance themselves from the whole cult thing and the events that took place on that day. So, because I remember when I first moved out to San Diego and found out that this happened in Rancho Santa Fe, I remember trying to look up the the address. So how did you know that you were at the right site if they changed the house number and the street you just name? just Google it. <laughs> you can find it's, anything It's a, like online. it gives you the directions? They, they will. So, like, you wow. can literally find anything online. Just before we get started, really quickly, I'm going to give you guys some information about Rancho Santa Fe, the area where this whole thing went down. So first and foremost, Heaven's Gate was an American UFO religious cult that was based near San Diego, California. It was founded in 1974 by a gentleman named Marshall Applewhite and a lady named Bonnie Nettles. On March 26, 1997, members of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of 39 members of this cult in a house in Rancho Santa Fe, California. They had participated in a mass suicide. Now, this is some crazy shit because ritual and mass suicides do not happen that often and they are not frequently discussed in media and news like we mentioned earlier. This particular one is even more interesting because they were supposedly following an extraterrestrial spacecraft that was allegedly following the comet Hale-Bopp. 
we're going to get into a little bit more detail about this and about some of the members and about the ideology behind this cult. But just before we get started, really quickly, so you can get sort of a perspective on this, I'm going to give you a little insight about Rancho Santa Fe. Rancho Santa Fe is a census-designated place in San Diego County, California, within the San Diego metropolitan area. Now, the population here is about 3,117 as of about 10 years ago. It is primarily a residential area with a few shopping blocks and a couple of schools and a few restaurants, but it is a very, very affluent neighborhood within San Diego. And some of the wealthiest individuals within San Diego live in this tiny little community. Now, the area is about 6.7 square miles in the city itself, but Rancho Santa Fe, as far as the residential area, covers a very large area. Yeah, and it's all, like, winding roads because it all sits on, like, golf courses and stuff. Right. So, Rancho Santa Fe is a very affluent area. There's some horse farms, horse ranches. Um, It is sort of connected to the Del Mar area, which is the whole Bing Crosby thing. He helped found that racetrack in San Diego. Yeah. And so there are a lot of horses, a lot of old farms, and then a lot of old school San Diego residential homes, kind of Spanish style homes, a lot of orange groves and agriculture and trails and things of that nature in that area. It is a very, very beautiful area and very affluent as well, which makes this even more strange to me that this would have popped up in an area where the houses do not go for less than millions of dollars. So, oh yeah. We're going to start it out with a little bit of the history behind this. The founding members of this particular cult were Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Bonnie Nettles, later known as T, was the co-leader of the group with Marshall Applewhite that later became the Heaven's Gate group after Nettles' death. So this particular group, although it is known in the media and across newswide coverage as the Heaven's Gate cult, actually went by quite a few names during the course of the formation and sort of cementing of the whole philosophy behind this group. Nettles herself died of liver cancer in 1985 in Dallas, Texas, 12 years before the group's mass suicide in March 1997. But Nettles was born and raised in Houston, Texas to a Baptist family, and as an adult she moved away from that particular religion and became a registered nurse. She married a businessman, uh, Joseph Siegel Nettles, in December 1949, and she had four children with him. The marriage remained pretty stable until the early 70s, and then according to the New York Times, their marriage began to deteriorate due to Nettles' belief in the 19th century monk named Brother Francis. She She claimed that this monk frequently spoke with her and gave her instructions. So, just to kind of interject here... If you are hearing, like, hearing an audible voice from a non-human... Somebody who is not living Like, a spiritual entity, like, if you want to have faith or, you know, believe, what have you, that's one thing. But if you're hearing an audible voice, 
then that could be schizophrenia. You need to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, like that's a sign of schizophrenia. And I don't want to make light of mental illness, but clearly this woman had some stuff going on. Um, she started conducting seances with mediums in order to contact deceased spirits. She led a circle group every Wednesday at her house to have seances. She studied astrology occult studies and all kinds of other things she went to see multiple fortune tellers who told her she was soon going to meet a mysterious man who was tall with light hair and a fair complexion this description is pretty much spot on for marshall applewhite but in any case yeah but it's also spot on for like men right (laughs) you know it's one of those things but Nettles yeah. met Applewhite March 1972. Where they met is not necessarily cemented as certain, but according to the writings of Applewhite, he was visiting a hospitalized friend when the nurse, Nettles, entered the room and their eyes locked in a shared recognition of, quote-unquote, esoter- esoteric secrets. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Applewhite's writings were prone to relaying everything as fate. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he called their first meeting esoteric. What did he call it? Esoteric secrets. A recognition of esoteric secrets. Esoteric so he gets a little bit dramatic. Yeah, so I would say he's he's yeah, prone he's to hyperbole. Definitely got a flair for the overly dramatic. Bonnie's daughter actually said that the two of them met in drama school and theater, but for the most part, I think sources say that they met in a mental hospital. Whatever version, <laughs> whatever version is correct, it is known that right after their meeting, Nettles did an astrological reading for Applewhite from which she found an alignment in their stars. Gee, that's coincidental. It's kind of creepy. So in 1973, they began this Heaven's Gate group, and it was called many different things during the course of development. But Nettles basically said peace out to her kids and her hubby and was like, later days... Nettles and Applewhite established Heaven's Gate together as equals. Nettles was the brains and Applewhite was the mouth because he obviously had the charm and charisma to be able to do this shit. (laughs) But she claimed to have communicated with aliens about the next level and told Applewhite to tell followers. So they decided we need to get some fucking followers because we obviously can't do this on our own. Um, Right. Several years later, Applewhite recognized her as a higher up in terms of where they were in the organization. So they, there were levels and she was clearly higher than he was, but this was not to last very long because Nettles ended up getting cancer and she had to have an eye removed in 1983. And her doctor informed her at that point that the disease was already spreading through the rest of her body. She stated that the doctor was ignorant and believed among, along with Applewhite that she would not die, that they had to ascend together to heaven. So she had her, you know, crazy philosophical religious beliefs in hand and was like, you, this cancer can't fucking kill me, which is great in that, you know, mind over matter. And I firmly believe sometimes that mental health and like having a positive outlook on it can help in fighting disease. But this shit was crazy. She had a fucking eye removed and they were clearly telling her this cancer was like spreading like crazy throughout right. her body. But she continued to, like, sort of go with this whole idea that she could not be killed by the cancer, even though it kept getting worse and moved to her liver. She ended up dying June 18th or 19th. They don't know for sure. Some people say 18th. Some people say 19th. 1985 in a hospital. 
she actually used a pseudonym when she was there because right. she didn't want people to be able to locate her and find her. But Applewhite was convinced that the con, excuse me, Applewhite convinced the rest of the group that they had gathered at that point that the broken down vehicle was left behind and that was her body. He had her body. So is this cremated. the first time we have that usage of the vehicle as your body? I think they were using it before then, but okay. that's sort of the first time that he was really starting to tell the group that their bodies were just vehicles and that they had to start thinking about leaving all that behind. Okay. So he cremated her and spread her ashes on a lake in Texas and explained to the group that Nettles had left because her work was done on this level, but he still had more to do. Okay. So he said she had to ascend to this next level so she could help the rest of the group on this level get what the, get done what they needed to get done. So Applewhite and Nettles went by various different names. They went by Bo and Peep and later Doe and T along with Guinea and Pig. And you're starting to get kind of the, <laughs> the weird yeah. name pattern that's going on here. Yeah. A little bit creepy. So at that point, Nettles is out of the picture. She's already given all of her philosophy and done everything that she needed to do within this group. So then basically at that point, it's just Mr. Marshall Applewhite. Okay, so a little bit about Marshall Applewhite. Our buddy Marshall. He was born Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. And was also That's known a pretty as, rough name. Right. He, he was also known as Doe, among other names. So he was a native of Texas. He attended several universities as a young man and also served in the U.S. Army. After finishing school at Austin College, he taught music at the University of Alabama. Yeah, that's what it was. No, we boo them. We don't like them. He later returned to Texas where he led choruses and served as the chair of the music department at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. He left the school in 1970, though, citing emotional emotional turmoil... And then his father's death a year later brought on some pretty significant depression for him. At that point, he was sort of on a low point in his life, and he kind of hung in there for about two years of that severe depression until he met Bonnie Nettles, who was a nurse, and together they started talking about the mysticism and religion and all kinds of divine messengers. They operated a bookstore and a teaching center together for a short time and then began to travel around the U.S. to spread their views. Unfortunately, they only gained one convert at that point. Gee, I wonder hmm. why. <laughs> in 1975, Applewhite then was arrested for failing to return a rental car and was jailed for six months. Six but, months? Right. So Christ in that, almighty. <laughs> in that time period, he developed his theology even more because he wasn't really doing anything but sitting behind bars. But when he was released from prison, he traveled to California and Oregon with Nettles and eventually gained a group of committed followers. Applewhite and Nettles told their followers they would be visited by extraterrestrials who would provide them with new bodies. Woo! New vehicles. <laughs> right? Applewhite initially stated that his, to his followers that, he, that they would physically ascend to a spaceship where their bodies would be transformed. But later, he came to believe their bodies were the mere containers of their souls and would later be placed into new bodies. So this is sort of a, a Christian sort of ideology. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of similarities to Christianity um, in their writings too. 
So it's clear to me that they sort of are taking bits and pieces of all these religions and philosophical beliefs and creating something like yeah, for sure. things that they like and getting rid of all the things that they don't like. But the group, the group actually was kind of stuck in that particular area until they received an influx of money in the late 70s. And they say it probably came from an inheritance from somebody, but they used that to pay for housing and other expenses. In 1985, when Nettles yeah. died, Apple White was fucking distraught and was like, my whole views on physical ascension are being challenged right now. However, in the early 90s, the group took more steps to publicize their theology, and they learned that the Hillbop Comet was approaching. And along with that, there was a spaceship chilling out behind the comet, just ready to come pick them up. So I was reading about this earlier, and I, I wish I could find, I couldn't end up finding the, th- the same thing I saw, but apparently, like, so this comet was discovered, right, and then they, you know, basically discovered that its orbit, it only comes around so many years, and when they knew it was coming around in 97, and you had some astronomers, I guess, or scientists that were looking at it through a telescope, and somebody put online that they saw something like a mass in the trail of the comet. And that's what Heaven's Gate like latched onto that it was this like spaceship, but it was just like a mass that was probably be- being pulled by the gravitational pull of the mass of the comet. Right. I mean, there's a perfectly logical scientific exactly. for it, I'm sure. But they determined that the spaceship, that mass behind the comet was the vessel that was going to take their spirits on a journey to another planet. And they believed that their souls would ascend to the spaceship and be given new bodies, but only if they committed suicide in a multi-million dollar mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, which sounds fucking crazy. So, Marshall Applewhite, this crazy, crazy guy, was the son of a Presbyterian minister, which is how he essentially got his religious background and, and was raised very religiously as a child. And then he attended a lot of Christian schools and whatnot, where he was a very active student and was moderately religious at that point. Then he started kind of studying philosophy and things like that, hoping to become a minister. He got married, had two children, and just kept on with his seminary studies when he decided to leave school and pursue a a musical career. And that's the point where he became the musical director and started in music and theater. Hmm. And then he was drafted into the army in 1954, and he served in both Austria and New Mexico as a member of the Army Signal Corps. He left the military in 1956 and enrolled in the University of Colorado, where he earned a master's degree in music, and at that point he started focusing on his musical career. So he tried to launch a professional singing career. I think there's really like audio of him singing, isn't there? Like you can find that, right? Tons of it. Absolutely fucking tons of it. But the whole scandal happened when he lost his position after pursuing a sexual relationship with a male student. Hmm. So they were not too supportive back then of same-sex relationships, and he was, quote-unquote, frustrated by his sexual desires because he wasn't allowed to pursue that, even though he was still married. Um, He separated from his wife at that point when she learned about his homosexual affairs, and they ended up divorcing three years later. Fucking three years. It took three years to get divorced from this crazy hoo-ha. After leaving the University of Alabama, Applewhite moved to Houston, Texas to teach. 
His students regarded him as an engaging speaker and a stylish dresser. Yeah, like he's got that um, like charismatic way about him that is so common in preachers and cult leaders, cult leaders and, and cult leaders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He basically served as the chair of the music department and also became a locally popular singer, serving as the choral director for the Episcopal Church hmm. and performing with the Houston Grand Opera. Oh. So he can't have been that bad if he was performing with the opera, the Houston Opera, for, for Pete's sakes. Yeah, he is a weird fucking dude. But in any case, when he was in Texas, he was briefly openly gay, which I don't quite understand that. You're either gay or you're not gay. You're not, like, briefly openly gay and then closed gay and then partially gay and then you're heterosexual and then you're this. and You either are or you're not. Well, if you... Right? If, But if he moved somewhere else and then he didn't tell people, then he wasn't living openly. Like, he was living openly only for those few years and maybe he moved somewhere else or started hanging out in a new social circle and wasn't sharing the fact that he was gay. I mean, it was Texas in the 50s. It's not exactly, like, the most open, Mm. you know what I mean? Most tolerant place. 60s and 70s. But then he started a relationship with a young woman whose family was like, no, this isn't going to work. They pressured her to get rid of him, and that greatly upset him. So then he resigned from the University of St. Thomas, citing depression and emotional problems. No shit. So... They also, spe- experts sort of speculate that his departure was prompted by another affair between Applegate and a student. The university later recalled that he was me- often mentally jumbled and disorganized near the end of his employment. So clearly there were some mental health issues going on with him at that point. In 1971, he briefly moved to yeah. New Mexico where he operated, operated a deli. Isn't that great? Can you imagine him behind the counter? Oh. He was very popular with his customers, though. I wonder if uh, he went to New Mexico to be close to, like, Area 51 or, like, I don't know. It's entirely possible. It doesn't make any connection in any of the materials that I read, but I think he, when you're that cuckoo about the extraterrestrial shit, it has to be stuff that you've been thinking about for a while. It's not something that just fucking pops up overnight and you're like, oh, hey, aliens, what's up? Right. You gotta think about that shit for a while. But it was not long after that his father died and then he got all depressed and ended up meeting up with Bonnie Nettles, the, the nurse with the interest in, in biblical philosophy. So by, by, 19, by 1975, Applewhite and Nettles had taken on the names Bo and Peep. Hmm, interesting. They started to believe that they needed to live kind of a nomadic lifestyle, and they had about 70 followers by that time, and they were 70? looking at themselves sort of as shepherds tending their flock. That's so many. Yeah, I don't understand how that many people could be that foolish. In any case, Applewhite believed that complete separation from earthly desires was a prerequisite of ascension to the next level. And he emphasized passages in the New Testament where Jesus spoke about forsaking worldly attachments. So, again, cherry-picking the things they like, ignoring Mm -hmm. the things they don't like so much about all kinds of different religions and philosophical Which is not different from religion. No. And at that point, they were sort of instructing their members to get rid of your families. Oh, my. (laughs) Renounce your friends, family, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and sexuality. So you need to become this asexual being with no friends, no possessions, no drugs, no alcohol, no pleasure, whatsoever. (laughs) Furthermore, they were also required to adopt biblical names. Oh. So 
Bo and Peep are biblical names now? Like, I'm confused. It's been a minute since I've caught up on my scripture, but I don't ever recall reading that. Applewhite stated these names emphasized that his followers were his spiritual. Maybe in the original Greek. He sort of saw him. <laughs> He sort of saw himself as Jesus-like. Yeah. Red flag. So did David Koresh. They, they actually stayed in remote campgrounds and did not speak about their beliefs. So they were, like, strictly under the radar at that point. They even ceased having public meetings in April 1975 and spent little time teaching doctrine to their converts. So it's like, hey, we got you guys. We roped you in, but we're not going to tell you anything about this religion. We're not going to give you any instruction. We're not going to tell you how it works. You're just asked out. You just got to follow us and trust. Huh. But this didn't go over so big with the members, and a lot of people were like, later days... Because who's, who the fuck's going to stay around when no one's teaching you? You join right. this cult because you feel like they're going to teach you how to, like, get on to the next level and get all your shit together. And then they're like, no, we're not going to teach you anything. Yeah, leave all of your earthly possessions and follow us, but we're not going to tell you why or what the purpose is. It's going to be hard to keep people. Right. Then, at that point, Applewhite and Nettles were like, hey, we might be assassinated. Oh. Don't be alarmed. So they, like, <laughs> really go underground at that point. Applewhite starts trying to use his prison experience. <laughs> his six months for potentially trying to steal a car um, to try to get his followers even more sort of embroiled in their little cult. Interesting. Hmm. So at that point, Applewhite was taking a very materialistic view of the Bible, seeing it as a record of extraterrestrial contact with humanity. So, like, he kind of twists back and forth from, hey, get rid of your worldly possessions. I'm like Jesus. You're my followers. I, you're my flock. You're my sheep. To, hey, this is a record of extraterrestrial contact. I mean. This is all about aliens. I, like, we just accept that, that, like, the Christian view of the Bible. But is if you really want to, like, pull at that thread, is that really different from what we've been taught, like, as the Christian view? You know what I mean? Like, how outlandish is one are, are either of those things if you've never been taught any of them before? You know? The thing is, this dude was super disorganized. Yeah. He seems like he's fucking jumping all over the place and just, he never tried to develop a concrete system of theology, mm. is essentially what happened here. So, then by about 1976, Applewhite and Nettles are now Doe and T. Mm. So, they got rid of Bo and Peep and... All the other fun names, Chip and Dale, and <laughs> they're, now they're just going to the sound of All music. All the other weird shit, and now they're Doe and T, which is absolutely fucking meaningless. But they started gathering their remaining followers at the Medicine Bow National Forest in southeastern Wyoming, promising a UFO visit. Oh, so we're going to be visited by extraterrestrials. Oh my god, can you imagine how fucking crazy his face looked when he told his followers this shit? Then Nettles was like, "No way." Visit's been canceled. You guys aren't good enough. <laughs> They're not going to come visit That's us. That's always I mean, what happens. Your faith is never strong enough when something like a physical manifestation doesn't occur. That's always yeah. how it happens. For real. So then for about the next three years, the group lived in campgrounds, usually in the Rocky Mountains of Texas. And then Applewhite and Nettle started to place greater and greater demands on their followers to sort of improve their membership retention mm -hmm. and give them, like, they're pretty loosely structured before, but now they're like, hey, we need you guys to really step it up, get to the next level so we can get this show on the road. But they typically communicated to their disciples or slash followers in writing or through assistance, which is fucking weird. Like, can you imagine? 
Like, you're not even getting any direct communication from your cult leader, and they expect you to be all, like, all up in that and, like, make it happen? Yeah, there's got to be some, like, like, serious assimilation to, like, this is our lifestyle, this is how it is. Like, there's, you got to build up to that, you know what I mean? At the same time, they're saying, hey, dudes, we're the only source of truth here, and you have to listen to us, but yet they won't talk to their members directly. Is that different from Catholicism? I don't know. I'm saying a lot of controversial shit tonight. <laughs> For real. You're going to like, we just lost 10 members. Yeah. All 10 of them. <laughs> and then Applewhite started like organizing seemingly arbitrary rituals intended to instill a sense of discipline in his followers and referred to these tasks as games. He also watched science fiction television programs with the rest of the group to sort of bond them all. Oh boy. I hate science fiction. I'm sorry. I just hate it. I fucking hate it. Star Trek and all that weird shit. Like, I'm just not down for that. So then, as I mentioned earlier, in the late 70s, they got a lot of money from possibly from an inheritance or something like that. And they started renting houses in Denver and Dallas. So at that point, they only had about 40 followers and they lived in two or three houses. But the leaders had their own house. Of course they did. They were super secretive about their lifestyle. They covered all their windows and arranged their followers in a kind of a boot camp sort of setting. So they could prepare them for, quote unquote, the next level. Hmm. Students who were not committed to the lifestyle were encouraged to leave and departing members were given financial assistance. So That was thoughtful, like, hey, at least. If you can't hack it, then get the fuck out. But hey, we'll give you a rent first month. Yeah, that was nice. But they sort of were saying, hey, we want quality over quantity through this whole thing and spoke about gaining more converts, but they weren't like in too much of a hurry to gain them if they weren't right. great. But at the same time, Applewhite and Nettles were like making sudden and drastic changes to the group where they told some followers of a forthcoming visitation from extraterrestrials and then instructed them to wait outside all night. <laughs> at which form at which point at which point they were like, Hey wait, this was just a test. I do that shit to my friends. Like they're like, Hey, are you on your way? I'm like, Yeah, go wait outside. I'm I'm almost there and I'm like not even in my car yet. And since <laughs> Since they had fucking isolated all these people from their families and from everything that could, that could possibly give them pleasure, these people were desperate for fucking Applewhite's approval, yeah. and he so controlled them. So by 1980, Applewhite Nettles had about 80 followers. Many of them held jobs and often worked on computers or in, as car mechanics, and they allowed their disciplines, their disciples to call their families. They further relaxed more control, allowing visitors to visit their relatives on Mother's Day, excuse me, allowing their followers to visit relatives on Mother's Day, allowed short stays, and they got kind of a little bit more loosey-goosey. You got to have a lot of confidence in your control and your mind control to be able to, like, let people go stay with their family for an extended period of time, you know? Yeah. So, essentially, at that point, Nettles dies, and Applewhite is, like, super freaked out, he starts getting increasingly paranoid, fearing a conspiracy against his group. And Appleboy starts avoiding new converts at that point as well, worrying that people are trying to infiltrate the group or the government's trying to get in there and do some crazy shit. And so he's, like, getting more and more crazy and paranoid about shit. Um, and then claims that people are trying to brainwash them and all this kind of weird shit. 
So by the late 80s, the group was so low profile that not very many people knew it even existed anymore. In 1988, they mailed a document that detailed their beliefs to a variety of New Age organizations. The mailing contained info about their history and advised people to read several books, which primarily focused on Christian history and UFOs. What? I don't, I just don't understand. It doesn't seem like they had one concrete doctrine. They were just throwing as many spaghetti noodles at the wall and hoping shit would stick. Right. That's like a, I, I imagine that's a pretty small Venn diagram of Christian doctrine and UFOs, where those overlap. Mm-hmm. I know, for real. Then they recorded a 12-part video series, which was broadcast via satellite. In 1992. To who? I'm not really sure. <laughs> but they were like, hey, we're going to update this 1988 shit where we got crazy with the Christian history and the UFOs. We're going to kind of make it into the 90s so that people can understand it. And over the course of this time period, several hundred people joined and left. In the early 90s, membership dwindled to as few as 26. And this gave Applewhite more and more urgency. So he was like getting crazier and crazier by that point. Hmm. They spent about 30 grand to publish a full page advertisement in the USA Today that was warning of a catastrophic judgment to befall Earth. Oh my God, could you imagine? I bet that would like go for so much on eBay. Its publication led to about 24 of my members rejoining the group. That's fucking cuckoo. Do you remember? Wow. How old were you back then? So that was in 97. I was 13, or I would have been 12, not yet 13. I but, don't remember like, any I... of this shit. Really? Oh my god! I remember like the news crew like going into the houses and seeing like the no, shoes. No, I and remember shit. that part when they killed themselves, but I don't remember. Oh. you'd think you would remember a full-page advertisement in the USA Today about a catastrophic judgment to befall the Earth. I didn't read the USA Today at twelve. Well, you'd think people would be like, "There's some cuckoo <laughs> shit in the USA Today." I don't know. So, like this was. Uh, at the time of, like, Bat Boy on the National Enquirer and, like, Elvis was always still around. Maybe it was just one of those things where everybody was like, these it's people are USA fucking crazy Today. and whatever. Like, it's not I the know. Enquirer. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> in the 90s, Applewhite posted some of his teachings on the internet, so he busted in on that internet shit as soon as he could. He was like, I'm down. They had some, like, computer scientists, like, from the beginning. That's when he started talking about the possibility that suicide was a way to reach the next level. So he's all next level, next level, next level, but he wasn't quite sure how to get there. And now he's saying, hey, suicide's the way to go. He explained that everything human had to be forsaken, including the human body, before anyone could ascend to this quote-unquote next level. The organization at that point was named Heaven's Gate. Hmm. And... From June to October 95, the group lived in a rural part of New Mexico, and they purchased about 40 acres and built a compound, which is never a fucking good sign when a cult group buys a compound. It's like death nope. is going to happen soon, any way you look at it. They purchased 40 acres and built a compound, which they referred to as the Earth Ship, using tires and lumber. Oh Apple my. White hoped to establish a monastery. This was not so great of an idea, though, for Applewhite because he was starting to get older and his health was sort of failing. And at one point, he even thought he had cancer. Hmm. Everybody started saying, hey, we're super tired. We've got this freaking compound we have to take care of. The winters are cold. And they just were like, fuck it. We got to abandon this plan. Then they moved to San Diego because they're like, hey, it's too cold here. <laughs> we need a little San Diego sunshine for the Let's rest of our get out to Southern ideals. California. They then got even more crazy and started really focusing on suppression of sexual desire. And Applewhite, along with seven other people, opted for surgical castration at that point. Yikes. 
They initially had difficulty finding a willing surgeon, but eventually found one in Mexico. Terrific. Oh. In Applewhite's view, sexuality was one of the most powerful forces that binds humans to their bodies and hinders their efforts to evolve to the next level. He taught them that next-level beings had no reproductive organs. Yeesh. Oh. And that only people who were huh. controlled by Satan had, had genders. Basically, he yeah. cited the New Testament where he says there's no marriage in heaven. In addition, he required members to adopt similar clothing and haircuts, possibly to reinforce the fact that they were a non-sexual family. So they're getting castrated. They're non-sexual. They're all wearing the same, like, asexual-type clothing, short haircuts, yeah. same colors. They're really kind of going off the deep end by that point. So that- They're all, like, androgynous. So... Like, this is always just a thing that just, like, everybody just kind of accepts this, and it always kind of stands out to me when people talk about satanic blah, 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 like, satanic rituals, satanic cults. Like, the idea that a Satan exists only holds true if you accept that there is a god. And they're not accepting that there is, like, a traditional god in the sense of a god-Satan dynamic. Like I said, they're cherry-picking whatever the fuck they want. Right. And it's super creepy. So, like, the idea that, this, like, satanic is, like, evil, wrong, blah, 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 is only true if you inherently accept that there is a, an all-powerful good that is, quote-unquote, God. That just drives me nuts, because everybody's like, oh, Satan is automatically wrong. But that's not... Anyways. Let's soapbox. Hear little, let's hear a little clip of Mr. Marshall Applewhite. Oh, boy. I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. We'll title this tape... Uh, planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. That's going to fuck me up hearing that in my ears, like, so much. Like, it was too close to my head. It's going to fuck me up. Yeah. So, October 1996, a group rents a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California. That's when they start to really, like, cement their shit. And they start Imagine being the owner of this house. I'm sure the owner... And, like, Marshall Applewhite comes to you and he's like, I want to rent your house for me and 39 other people. I don't think they probably did that because why would they risk their chances of being able to be in like the perfect spot for their voyage to the next level or whatever? I don't think they told them. I think they were just like, hey, we need to run a house or they had like an assistant do it. And crazy Marshall Applewhite, crazy eyes didn't get involved in that because they didn't want to fuck it up for everyone else. I mean, yeah, but but he doesn't think he's crazy eyes. I don't know. Anyway, they recorded two video messages in which they offered their views as this is the last chance to evacuate Earth, like I just played, obviously. And around the same time, that's when they learned about the approaching comet Hale-Bopp. Applewhite now was like, I firmly believe that Nettles is aboard a spaceship trailing the comet, and she's going to rendezvous with us. He told Mm. his followers the vessel would transport them all to this sweet heavenly destination... And that government conspiracy was trying to suppress the word of the craft. Man, the mid to late 90s was the time to get people to buy into your shit if all you said was government conspiracy. Uh, yeah. So basically he also said that the, any of the followers that died would be taken to the vessel as well, just automatically transported. 
in sort of a Christian rapture sort of a doctrine type thing. Yeah, it's definitely like the rapture. And then he learns... Just to a spaceship behind a comet. Excuse me. He firmly believed at that point that there were some aliens fucking following that comet and that they were all going to meet up along with Nettles and just be happy, everyone together. In late March 1997, the group sort of isolated themselves and recorded their last farewell statements, which we kind of looked on the internet to see if we could find any of those, and it doesn't look like those are readily available. I think that they are yeah. in paper paper form written out, but I don't think that they're you can necessarily find... Oh, I thought they were video recorded. They weren't? It says the group isolated themselves and recorded farewell statements. So I yeah. assume they were video but maybe they weren't i don't know it doesn't say or they're in police custody and they'll, they'll never get released for real um i think that they're probably suppressed for that exact reason because there's some crazy cult shit and they don't want people mm-hmm. following them but many members praised apple white in their final messages they described him as a jesus-like figure Applewhite also recorded a video shortly before his death in which he told them that suicides were the final exit of the group and said we do, in all honesty, hate this world. Okay, bye. Later days. I think that one is accessible. I think you can find that one. One of the, the experts on this whole thing speculates that Applewhite settled on suicide because he said that the group would ascend during his lifetime and no appointed successor was feasible by that point. So, like, a successor has to work. be able to do the job. So we all have to commit yeah. suicide and we all have to do it together. Which right. doesn't make sense to me in light of the fact that supposedly this whole thing is still going, but don't worry, we're going to get into that. Darcy's going to cover off on that in just a second here. But scholars believe that the suicides began on March 22nd and that members took barbiturates and alcohol and placed bags over their heads. They wore Nike shoes and black uniforms with patches that read Heaven's Gate Away Team, which is fucking like Star Trek (laughs) shit. They had a little baggie with them that contained a few dollars and a form of identification and which I don't really know what the fuck they would need that for if their souls. It was like their, their fare, bodies. like a bus fare. I don't know. It's fucking creepy. The deaths occurred over three days, and Applewhite was one of the last four to die. Three assistants helped him commit suicide, and then they killed themselves. And an anonymous tip led the sheriff's department to search the mansion, which I'm sure he arranged ahead of time so that they they would be found. But. They found 39 bodies there on March 26th. It was the largest group suicide involving U.S. citizens since the 1978 mass suicide of 928 Americans in Jonestown. Applewhite's body was found seated on the bed of of the mansion's master bedroom. Medical examiners determined that his fears of cancer were completely unfounded and that he had only suffered from coronary issues. However, all of this death in the mansion, the 38 bodies they found and all that good stuff, provoked a media fucking circus. Applewhite got to be on the cover of Time and Newsweek. Can you believe that? I remember that. I remember then that. And they broadcast his final message like crazy. But it's Which funny is because bonkers that they did that. It is. And it's funny because people describe him as being wild-eyed and rather alarming. So we're definitely yeah. going to post some links within the, the notes here because this dude was like straight up legit, like creepy AF. 
But it's interesting because there's a lot of sort of analysis and talk about this particular case by medias and scholars alike, because some people were like, oh, yeah, this dude was like straight up legit brainwashing people. But there are a lot of people that say he didn't brainwash them. And brainwashing was really kind of an oversimplification of what was Mm -hmm. going on, that they were willing to follow Applewhite because they were dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really suited for a life in his absence. And he had so convinced them that they, because they were isolated socially and cultivated in this attitude of sort of complete religious obedience. So like, like disciples with Jesus sort of thing. Right. And that life here on earth was so shitty and all the materialism and all that kind of stuff was so bad that the only way to break away from that and achieve sort of this next level of, wonderful world, you know, some kind of heavenly world was to commit suicide. Not because he brainwashed them, but because they believed in the ideology enough to do it. And it, like, there are people who have left who have spoken out and like one, one woman left, um, shortly before the mass suicide and kind of became a vocal critic of them And she said that it wasn't that he was brainwashing people. It wasn't that people were not allowed to leave, like in the case of Jonestown, where they would hunt people down. Like, they let people leave. They gave them money to leave. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, if you're telling somebody, I'm God, I'm your God, you are my follower, and then you turn around and say, oh, okay, well, if this isn't for you, then you can go ahead and leave. But you've been hearing... I'm your God, I'm your God, I'm your God so much, you're going to have an inherent guilt about leaving. It's just kind of a twisted sort of a thing. I think he was a very powerful manipulator. I wouldn't say brainwashing. And I would sort yeah. of differentiate the term manipulation from brainwashing. I, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it was an intentional manipulation. Like, I think he genuinely believed there, there was a spaceship behind the Hale-Bopp comet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he knew he was lying to people like Jim Jones. This is some weird shit, though, because my my whole thing on this is part of me is like, this sounds fucking crazy. Who in their right fucking mind would believe any of this? But this other part of me is like, what if there really was? How would we? There's no way to know if they're if they're right or wrong. Like, we don't know. We We won't know until we die. We won't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of the same belief that I have about religion. How do you know whether it exists or not? You won't know until you die. And that only presumes the fact that you think there's an afterlife. Exactly. If you don't think there's an afterlife, so then you, you never know. And there's nothing, then you'll know. Right? Yeah, but right. no, but you won't know if there's not an afterlife because you don't have a, there's nothing for Well, you clearly you, won't be in a fucking afterlife. <laughs> yeah, but you won't like the little definition of knowing, you won't know it. Which is because you're dead, and there's nothing else, and scary. Which just means live your life to the fullest, people. Enjoy everything right now. Love your family. Kiss your babies. Hug your doggy. Have a good life. Babies are so messy. Be nice to people. (laughs) Be good. Um, Don't be an asshole. Because so, uh, I wanted to look up um, some stuff about like the people who did not, who were members of this group who did not commit suicide. And I found some really interesting stuff. So there's an L.A. Weekly article from 2007. This guy who was a a member who 
stayed behind, and he reached out to LA, LA Weekly to tell his story. And I, I'm assuming this is um, a pseudonym, but it's Rio D'Angelo is the guy's name, and, and uh, this may be real name, I don't know. But so this article talks about the Hellbop Comet, and I didn't know that the Hellbop Comet was just discovered for the first time in 1995. Yeah, so it was just discovered. It was two separate, two scientists looking separately, and they discovered the same object. Um, and when it was named, it was named for both of them. Hale, um, it was named for buh, 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 Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp. Um, and it only comes around like every 4,000 years or something crazy. So, Which is not surprising if they would believe that it was a special event, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's just discovered, and it comes around only every four thousand years, and it's going to be coming, get, being the cl- like it's in its orbit. We'll take it the closest to Earth for the next four thousand years. Will happen at the end of March in 1997. So, like, if you are looking for something, this would certainly fall under that area, right? So, right. Um, this Heaven's Gate group had been waiting for a sign that there was a next level, like you were you were saying. Um, Marshall Applewhite thought the sky was now speaking to him. So another amateur astronomer called into Art Bell's conspiracy theory radio show that he had taken a picture of Hale-Bopp and it showed an elongated fuzzy brightness lurking in the tail. And after this call, word quickly spread in UFO circles that there was an alien spacecraft accompanying the comet. Um... So remote all sensing the practitioner came out of the woodwork at that point. <laughs> right. Well, it's Art Bell's show too, so like when something's on that, like you're going to get a lot of people that are calling in. So remote sensing practitioner Courtney Brown collected clairvoyant quote-unquote data that also suggested an extra extraterrestrial presence. What the fuck is and clairvoyant data? Like I don't have I, I think it's white noise. Like I I think it's just white noise that people think that there's something speaking to them in. Oh my God. Um, so basically they're just making shit up. Yeah. And Marshall Applewhite and his followers went out and bought telescopes. They couldn't see the spaceship themselves, but that wasn't important. When hale passed too close to Jupiter and the giant planet's gravitational pull altered the comet's orbit so that it would return every 2000 years, Applewhite became certain this was their long awaited indicator, perhaps even a star wormwood described in the revelation. The group updated its website Red alert flashed across the top. Below came the announcement, Hale Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Okay, so for those of you who don't know biblical prophecy and all that kind of stuff, supposedly in Revelations in the end of time when God is when Jesus is coming back and the earth is gonna end, there will be sort of a comet or a large object called wormwood that will crash into the earth and bring about the com- the second coming of Jesus. That's in the Bible? It's in the Bible. So Oh. Marshall Applewhite hooked on to this whole thing of this hail bop comet passing by Earth and sort of said, hey, hey, this is straight out of Revelations. <laughs> We've got to get on board with this. This, this, this has got to be fate again. So on March 22nd, hail bop made its closest approach to Earth at 122 million miles Applewhite and his followers meticulously cleaned the house, took out the garbage, polished the silver, and packed their things. The sign was above. The time was now. So, number the one, group began, why the fuck do they need to clean the house if their bodies are going to be swept up there? No one's going to see the fucking house. 
One of the extraterrestrials going to come hang out with them and check out the house? Well, no, they know somebody's got to come clean up the house. So they're just being polite. A slowly, yeah, they're just being considerate. So they started executing the routine, a document they'd created that precisely choreographed how teams would help each other wash down phenobarbital-laced helpings of applesauce and pudding with vodka, mm. a lethal combination that did its work painlessly. Lie back and rest quietly, the ritual instructed, which they did, covered in purple shrouds, so a $5 bill tucked in their wallets. What? It's, a, it's pudding and applesauce, but like I wonder what it, specifically what it was they put in the pudding and applesauce besides just... Phenobarbital. I know, but like, what is that? What's the street name for that shit? If they put some like uppers or like some, some fucking It's speed? barbiturates. Like, like what, what is the name for it? Barbiturates? No, that's like the scientific name. I want to know what the like the real deal name. I don't know. It. What, I like, mean, that's what like, like they if put. You a, look they at put Marilyn a, Monroe. Like she overdosed they, on barbiturates. They put like, a that's speed what ball. They put a speedball in the pudding. That's what I want to hear. Um, it's a nervous system depressant. Hmm. It's a sedative, is what it is. Okay, and and what is it used for? Like do they give it to people um, for surgery or like what? I think they used to. Let me look it up. Hold on. It's a medication recommended by the World Health Organization for the treatment of certain types of epilepsy. Um, Used to treat seizures in young children. Um, Occasionally used to treat trouble sleeping, anxiety, and drug withdrawal and to help with surgery. Sounds So it's a sedative. So, like, it basically, like, like, depresses your nervous system to help you relax or go to sleep or help you be super chilled out yeah and then too much of it obviously will kill you which it did to Marilyn and some of our well it's an it's yeah it's a nervous system depressant so it'll stop your heart and stop your respiratory respiration so when you Um, combine it with alcohol which is also a depressant it probably sort of accentuates that effect very effectively no one knows the exact timeline but within three days all the members of Heaven's Gate were dead except for Rio um Let's see. Rio, in February of 97, as the exit plans were coming together, woke up and felt he had some unnamed thing yet to do here on Earth. He had uh, followed his instincts before when he abandoned his life to join the group. <laughs> what? Uh, I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> he thought he had a different purpose. So he met with Applewhite, who telepathically consulted the next level. And word came back that Rio should stay behind. It was all part of the plan. Rio was given a camera, a computer, $1,000 for living expenses, and twelve fifty for a train fare back to Los Angeles. That's hilarious. So, Marshall Applewhite um, telepathically connected to the uh-huh. spirits to find out and what he, he said, should do. And he said, hey, you're right. This thing that you just suggested to me, that's what the next level says you should do. Isn't that yeah. weird? Mm-hmm. No, that's totally so, legit. Four, four weeks later, on March 27th, Rio received a FedEx package at the Office of Interactive Entertainment in Beverly Hills, where he was doing HTML work. Inside the, uh, was a letter addressed to Rio, a press release, two videotapes on which were recorded um, Applewhite and the students' exit videos, and a map to the house indicating which door they'd left unlocked. So I'm assuming this means Rio was the one who called the, the police, police and off. let them know. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that Marshall White was thinking that. Marshall Applewhite was like, hey, we've got to have somebody, yeah. like, report this shit. And somebody's really somebody's got to let the, the world know that there's 39 people dead inside here. So he um, got a ride to San Diego. He donned gloves, doused his shirt with cologne, and used his camera to film the neatly arranged bodies by then in various stages of decomposition. So 
they, when they committed suicide, they were all black, black pants, black, black um, shirts, and they all wore the same pair of Nike shoes, which Nike discontinued this type of shoe after this. Have you ever seen this video? Of him walking through the house? Yes. With the yeah. dead bodies. Yeah. It's Shit's creepy. Legit creepy. Those, vi- those, um, those shoes, I've heard that like if you can find them on eBay, they're like $6,000 for a pair of Nike Holy Decades. shit. They're like collector's items now. And they're just super nondescript like black, black Nike shoes. White. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also covered themselves with a purple shroud. Purple um, actually is so. a symbol of royalty, by the way. Anyway, so... Um, Rio, his, he decided or he believes that his greater purpose was to stay behind and tell people that Marshall Applewhite is the second coming of Christ. So he. Which falls in line with the comet being Wormwood, right? Right. Falls in line with revelations. And he, Rio began the LA Weekly interview by saying i am alive not because i rejected anything about heaven's gate i am alive because i have discovered something so extraordinarily important to the world that it needs to pass on to you in its most true and accurate form from me when the reporter asked about the dropouts who later killed themselves because there were people who left the house and then that same week of the mass suicides later did kill themselves um Rio said, people ask, why would they do that? For him, their copycat suicides only further proved the point. It doesn't make sense to give up everything unless you know, unless you knew, you know what they knew and what I know. That Doe was the second coming of Jesus Christ. What good would it do for these motherfuckers to do it later? The comet's already passed. The spaceship's already gone. But it wasn't only on that one day. Like, if they did it that same week, I think they probably still could catch a ride. Oh, yeah? So there's a timetable? That's... I- I don't. I, so it's look, like if, this, if that, you, that's outside it's my like wheelhouse. It's like if you miss a train in Solana Beach, you can still catch it in Oceanside. Is that kind of that concept? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, next you would catch it in Encinitas. Okay. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a little inside baseball. Um, so the Heaven's Gate website is still active. And the reason for that is because they left behind two members who have been anonymous all of these years. I think you can find their name on some website or another, but they are a quote-unquote couple, but I think they're a couple in the sense of a Heaven's Gate couple. They might, they're, they're asexual, perhaps. Um, and their role is to pay the bills, maintain the website, maintain the domain, keep everything as it was on the day of the suicide in 1997. Um, and they report that they still get about 20 emails per day. The um, about half of them are people either making fun of them or like saying something derogatory to them about the group. Um, half of them are just curious, just wanting info. And then half of them are actually interested in joining. And, um, they said that it is, um, Let's say we received instructions to carry out the task to disseminate information of the next level to the world, which we have done for 22 years. It's, it is about a third just curious, a third somewhat ill-informed and rude, and a third really serious to learn more. To that latter third, they supply tapes and the book and take care of getting information of the next level out to various universities, news agencies, and documentary sources that inquire. 
That sounds like fun. Um, we should. The order book, it. I believe, is free. I don't think that you can join the group anymore. I think they said that it's not no longer an organization. They just they they the two of them just stayed behind to get information out to the next level. To like, so it's a limited time offer. Prophesy. The rest of us motherfuckers are not allowed to go because we didn't pay attention soon enough. I guess. Um, How dare we? The biggest misconception is that the leaders were crazy and that the students were weak-minded. Just the opposite is true. According according to these two survivors. (laughs) Okay, here it is. They say um, they are adamant Heaven's Gate is no longer operational and they don't receive new members. The group came to an end in 1997. We get people who want to join every day, but we have to tell them no. They do still distribute the books and the teachings. We do educate and supply them information if they request it, and presumably someone will have to handle the administration that comes with running a cult, even a largely non-operational one. They will only confirm that, yes, there is a plan for when they pass on, so that Applewhite's teachings will continue into the future and beyond. So um, what happens to them? They don't get to go? They I think the- that they... I think they do get to go. I think that they... It's like they have a special... Maybe they get a... They have a special dispens- dispensation? Yeah, like maybe they have a waiver. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That they didn't get to catch the the comet. Um, and the, on their website, it plays really creepy music. Um, it's, I mean, the website looks like it was made in 1997. Like it has not been updated since then. So they have all these links. Um, they have Doe's intro, Our Purpose is Simple Bottom Line, Last Chance to Advance Beyond Human, Overview of the Present Mission, Transcripts of Two Recent Videos, How a Member of the Kingdom of Heaven Might Appear. They do have Earth Exit Statements by three students. Um, they also have on their website a position against suicide. To them, um, suicide is... The true meaning of suicide is to turn against the next level when it is being offered. So to them, they didn't kill themselves in the term in the in like the earthly sense. They basically gave up their earthly vehicles to go live on this next level because it was being offered at that time. I think is how they're looking at it. So that's why Limited they're differentiating it from suicide. Limited time yeah. offer to join the, the cool kids. Um, but the, um, I did briefly click on some of the earth exit statements and to your point, it, it, they are all written like in a very new Testament way in the terms of when they talk about Marshall Applewhite, they call, they call him, him and he and the father and the first, like it's all capitalized as it is in the Bible. Creepy. Yeah. So it's a very, it borrows a lot from. Christianity, I, don't really I think, think it was is what it looks like. Original about their cults, they just recycled a bunch of shit from everybody else. And I mean, I think the the spaceship thing was the only original thing, and that wasn't even an original, an original like thought for their organization. They just hopped onto it when this somebody, comet was discovered exactly. two somebody years prior. Had that fucking idea, and they were like, "Oh shit, that's our thing. That's our thing." Yeah, this is it. This is this is what we've been looking for for twenty years. So. Anyway, that's Heaven's Gate, folks. Fun stuff, huh? It's creepy. I, for real, after hearing his voice, for real, and seeing these, these, um... Well, let's talk about the video I sent you. So, right before we started recording, I was just look, trying to look up my resources, find them from when I was looking up, them up earlier, and I came across this video. 
So in this video, it t it was recorded from like a local San Diego news, like a week after the suicides, or maybe not too, a little bit longer, maybe. Um, and they go through the house. They don't go through all of the, the rooms, but they they do show. You can see blood on the carpet and on the walls, and there's blood splatter, which raises a lot of questions as to whether or not this was all suicide. It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. If they killed themselves with fucking pudding and applesauce, there shouldn't, be, poison. Blood, there shouldn't be any blood spatter anywhere. Like, and, and in the video, they talk about that, um, I guess maybe the, the overdose, they have, like, blood coming out of their nose and things like that, which, okay, that makes sense for the pulling, but, but it's, it's like, person, splattered it, on the wall. They wouldn't be, like, like you swung a knife. Around. They wouldn't be thrashing around with that shit. Or, like, blowing your nose just against the wall. That's weird. But Super we'll link weird. to that video because it was creepy as fuck to see that. I hadn't so, seen that before. A little bit of conspiracy theory shit going on there. Like, leaving it open for some conspiracy theorists. Yeah, for sure. In any case, this is the point in the podcast where we start to wrap it up. Social media. Uh, we are at the BFD podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow. We will post um, pictures and stuff and links and all that good stuff there. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about our lovely cult episode today, feel free to shoot us an email. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We'll drop that into the show notes. Please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild stuff. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys. Don't, don't catch a help off comment. <laughs>